Hey everyone, Arthur here. You might have noticed this week's episode is extra long. That's because this is the extended edition of the podcast, which is usually available only to our Patreon supporters. But this week, we decided to release the extended edition to everyone, so you all can see what awaits you behind the Patreon walls. So if you like this episode, why not visit us on patreon.com slash fmanalysts. Sit back and enjoy the extra laughs, insights, and mindless ramblings of the extended edition. Bye. There's this really good audio of Mike screaming where he cut him off for a second. So it literally sounds like he's disappearing through the void. It's like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could also get that weird anime girl thing that you never used again that was really funny. I've used it a lot. (laughs) Really? I just used it now. Oh, okay. This is the opening to the podcast. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. It's another episode of Full Metal Analysts. Welcome to our show where three writers analyze each and every episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm Michelle. I'm Arthur. And I'm Mike. And our guest today is a returning friend of the show. He's a writer, he's a podcaster. Please welcome back Carlo Yeager Rodriguez. Woo! Yeah, and the crowd yeah, yeah. goes wild. <laughs> Hi, guys. I just want to note this is really important. We booked this episode six months ago. Mm-hmm. Carlo came on and I was like we need to have you back for episode 40 because I knew exactly what episode 40 was all about and I wanted Carlo there yeah we all did we all did because <laughs> we all predicted it pretty closely uh-huh. yeah yeah uh-huh. okay you do know I listened to this right <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, you so know yeah, what let's right. give Mike some partial credit there is one thing he predicted correctly and that is whoever is doing the thing in a mistress now did it in Xerxes before that is the mm-hmm. one correct thing he predicted there yeah. we go. Yeah, Congrats. I was not aware that it was a tiny little demon from Totoro. <laughs> just some sprite gone rogue. Oh, oh my god, you're right. That's what a suit sprite is. Oh. It got tired of being exploited over it, spirited away, and broke away from the bathhouse. Right. Super cute. Super evil. <laughs> super demon. cute. Super evil. I have so many good things to say about the homunculus. But before I do that, this week's episode is The Dwarf in the Flask or The Homunculus. It was directed by Shoji Miyahara. They directed Death of the Undying, the episode where Lust dies, this one, and two more after this. And it was written by Hiroshi Onogi. They wrote 24 episodes total, too many to count and too many for me to check. I'm pretty sure they are the one who wrote the most episodes in the entire Brotherhood run. Wow. Michelle can't count above 22. Dream team. (laughs) Listen, that's not what I meant. (laughs) That's about as high as he goes. I I did want to point out just one tiny ground rule. Could we call this the little person in the flask? I feel like it's more inclusive. I think that's fair. You're right, you're right. In fact, that is very important for you to mention because in the English version, it is that name that we just mentioned. But in Japanese, the original name is the little man in the flask. Now, it sounds like a bad faith translation. Using the word dwarf is weird for a bunch of reasons, one of which is that it's a somewhat derogatory term to some people, but also just an odd word choice we're going to talk about this in a bit more detail later on but the big reference in this episode is the actual alchemical concept of a homunculus which is supposed to be like a little person inside a flask where you keep them in the flask during their infancy yeah like a artificial womb if you will exactly dudes Mm -hmm. keep rocking we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes but first off let's do our recap this is the moment of the podcast where one of us will do an improvised 21 second recap of this week's episode and that person will be chosen by the roll of a dice. If he lands on one, it's me. If he lands on two, it's Arthur. If he lands on three, it's Mike. If he lands on four, it's our guest. So let's roll the dice. 
one. Yay! <laughs> Michelle has been the person who is most described <laughs> episodes. He's getting better at it. On this podcast. <laughs> He's getting good. All right. Okay. Somebody count me down. Okay. Three, two, one. Go. Olivier uses the fact that she killed Raven to get a position within Bradley's council. Uh, Riza sends a coded message to Roy that Salim is a homunculus, and we learn that Honohan was a slave in Xerxes, but then he was tricked by the little person in a dwarf, the homunculus, who then used Honohan to create a big philosopher's stone and get a body. That looks like Honohan. Yeah, very nice. Sort of very like nice. That. Yeah, that was good. There's some stuff in there, but uh, in general, I think you got the broad strokes. The funny thing I want to start off by saying, this whole episode seems like it's marching towards the revelation that, aha, Honheim was the victim of a deal with the devil. It was more like the devil had a plan, and he was like, Honheim, you've been such a bro. Here, dude, have an immortal body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he gives him yeah. half. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's just part of the equivalent exchange, you know? He got something from it, you know? It's established early on that Hohenheim, who at the moment when the homunculus reveals itself to him, it was created with his blood. Mm -hmm. And so it's just simply a give and take, give and take, several times over, actually. Equivalent exchange, if you will. I uh, I was wrong about something. I said that Van Hohenheim was likely some kind of byproduct of what Father was doing. And it turns out, you know, Father is the byproduct. Yeah, like it's weird. Like it's pretty cool. He's a walking, talking, living, breathing philosopher's stone. The very stone that was created. He's literally what they're trying to do again. The Eric brothers were looking for a philosopher's stone. And ironically enough, it was literally their dad. <laughs> he was oh, a philosopher's stone. But don't you see how that like changes everything? The philosopher's stone isn't just a hot item. It isn't just a bugaboo or what? But it's like a, a MacGuffin. A MacGuffin. Yeah, it's not just a MacGuffin. It's literally their freaking dad. <laughs> you know. Right. I think we learned some things about philosopher's stones this episode. A few things became a bit more clear about how they work. This is the end credits. A stone is not necessarily a stone. It can be liquid. It can be different sizes. It can be a person. The other thing we learned about them is that stones are exhaustible and they can be bigger or smaller depending on how many people have been sacrificed to make them. So it's fuel. The thing I wanted to talk about in regards to this part of the episode is something that I found really interesting, which is that that moment when Honheim is like, in a few years, I can maybe start a family. And the homunculus is like, you silly humans, like you insist on building communities. And Honheim is, well, that's what makes us human. We forge these bonds with people. Every single bad thing in this episode can be sort of traced back to people denying the bonds between men. Ooh. Be it the homunculus making the stone, be it Honheim leaving his kids. Because he was like, I'm an immortal person. I can't have kids. I can't be around these kids anymore. Be it the Eric brothers burning down the house, the military rejecting the idea that all men are equal and enacting genocide. Like every single thing is sort of, wait, comes back to rejecting the bond. And interesting that our little flask buddy was so dismissive of that concept. Yeah. And yet calls himself father. <laughs> and creates a family where he has all these children who do his bidding for him. I, I mean, I just think it's interesting that as soon as he's a human, he starts taking on certain characteristics of humanity in a weird way. It's hard to not make that connection when you see Hohenheim and father because they look exactly alike. But initially when I was started watching this, I thought that it was a situation where father was trying to expunge the sins from himself 
and outwardly manifest them so that he could be pure. Mm-hmm. That is true. He, he's doing that. The family aspect is incidental to that, but they're not particularly like, I think that he uses father and the idea of a family regarding the seven deadly sins as incidental to bind them to him. He's not bound to them in any way, shape, or form. They do his bidding. Maybe it's a mockery of the concept of family in a sense. I think that that's exactly right. Like he misunderstands because of the way that the alchemical principles themselves as detailed here. Like you have that whole montage sequence where you get slave number 23, now von Hohenheim, basically saying that everything is of the one and therefore everything is of the one and returns to the one. It sort of parallels. I don't want to say it's fascistic in and of itself, the science, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's monistic and it parallels the idea of one out of many. That's the whole definition of the fascies, right? The brown right. sticks together. Mm-hmm. I think this was all the way back in the All is One and One is All episode, how if you think that one is all and all is one, it's very easy for you to be like, therefore, everything is allowed because one is all is one. Like, I am all, therefore, I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is sort of like, a, what is it? A, do as thou wilt is the whole of the law. Mm-hmm. If nothing's unallowed, Everything's permissible. There is that very ominous thing when after <laughs> it's a, a long list of names <laughs> that that Mustang is going through that. Oh, how can I talk to this person and this person? Oh, it's <laughs> Salim Bradley is a homunculus. And then th- you get that ominous shot central at the center of like this grid format. And you're like, oh, no. That looks like a summoning circle. Yeah, and he literally say, what is about to happen here? He literally says that at the, when they dot, see the, dot, the city. Dot. And that's when we cut away to the fantastic, awesome flashback, which is probably my favorite flashback so far. It mm-hmm. starts out with Father sleeping on his weird throne underground or whatever. And then mm-hmm. when the dream sequence or the flashback ends... It's Hohenheim who wakes up. Mm-hmm. They're still the same and are connected in some very deep level. You could say that there's a definition of perspective in that the first half of the flashback is very much tilted towards homunculus. And then the latter is just dealing with the consequences and it's tilted more towards Hohenheim, even though he is the protagonist of the flashback. Sort of an equivalent exchange. <laughs> oh. <laughs> who wants something and who pays for it? Oh, and one thing I really loved was the resonance between the flashback on the train with Hohenheim and the flashback on the train with the Elric brothers at the beginning of the show. Mm. I think that was somewhat intentional that they're both on trains flashing back to their most traumatic alchemy mistake. If I may uh, go on a bit of a tangent, I was thinking a lot about the train. I was thinking about how like in history books or in history class, a lot of times when my teachers talked about the train, they would talk about like, you have to understand that to some people, the idea of going to a different part of the country in like four hours was totally alien to them. And if you imagine the train as sort of the veins of this rotten country that father has created. It's almost as if by when you go on a train, I think I see where you're going. Yeah. Because sloth is literally laying down train tracks in that hole. He's digging beneath the entire country. Is that, is that what and, you're doing? And you can, can kind of, yeah, you can kind of think that like nowadays, whenever we go on like a subway ride or a bus ride, we kind of shut down and we don't look outside the window. But these characters are going on a train ride so much that they look outside the window and they remember that like there are people and there is a country and there is a, a nation actually living here 
that are just pawns in this giant game. Oh, it's like the irrigation <laughs> canals. <they're>, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Trains. It's funny that like the, they emphasize that it's the irrigation canals that they used to use for the crest. Boy, of the emperor sure loves us. He sure does. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love these new blood canals. I mean, it's water. Wait, wait. <laughs> these soldiers showed up to massacre us. What a coincidence. <laughs> There's something to be said about how both the King of Xerxes and Father disguise their plans under technological advances. I don't know if this is something the show's trying to say, but there's something there. I did want to point out that metaphorically, like in a story, you can have a train which then allows your character to be still, but you're still in movement. Right. And so you're sitting down, but you are still in movement uh, across a landscape. It's sort of interesting because they are totally layering the psychological effects of that into the story by saying, well, sure, they're sort of sitting down. They're not doing anything active right now, but... Let me show you what's happening in their minds. And their minds are going a mile a minute, you know? Right. Trains are usually used also as as a driver of what time is. Mm. They standardize time. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get standardized time until trains happened. Wait, is that true? Yeah, yes. that's true. Wow. Because or else a train would leave a station at a certain time and it would arrive at a specified time at the next station. But if the stations were not synced up, they could not schedule the trains. Yeah, if you wow. think about it, if you're trying to do some kind of nationwide spell, you would need standardized time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to do a thing that crossed multiple time zones and make sure everything happened at the right time. Yeah, like the so one guy who distances. carved his crest of blood because he forgot about the time difference. <laughs> carved it too late like oops i forgot damn it this philosopher's stone isn't quite as strong as i thought and it's like 500 people just we were supposed to be here right <laughs> oh and i just want to jump on top because i just realized something else and that is the fact that when the king of xerxes goes and does the transmutation circle he's like you told me if we stood in the center of the circle we would be fine and the homunculus reveals that the actual center of the circle is where the slave is standing almost as if to symbolize who is the real backbone of this great kingdom. Right, yeah. Where it's not the king, it's the slave. Where did the power come from? Also interesting because of how dismissive father and the homunculi are of normal people. Yeah, like people are fueled to be burned, and you think they'd have a better idea that countries are the people in them. I would liken father and the homunculi to a farmer. How many crops are they going to build? How many fields are they going to till and let grow to fullness and then reap them? Last time he had a goal specifically to be a human being, I think. Like an immortal human being. (laughs) I think that was his first... This time, I think his goal seems different. I think this is a grander scale than Xerxes. I think this is a much bigger project. Do you have any idea what he's trying to do? No. I mean, I still kind of go by what that door said when they were reading that door inside of gluttony's stomach recreating the universe and then i start thinking like what who is this guy like this homunculus father like he did this weird thing where when he was talking to van hohenheim he kneeled it's exactly the way god kneels whenever he's sitting in front of that door Hmm. on one knee who's that little stinker yeah keeps taking everybody's arms or whatever he is like what is this little guy what does god need with slave number 23 well i just don't think he's god i don't think that's the point i think he's like well i mean 23 is a weighted number there as well right oh shit i didn't think about that you're right it's an evil number 
Well, I mean, two plus three is five, and five is a pentagon, which is what they have at the center of the transmutation circle. Careful, you're going to accidentally crack this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, 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 one more thing. What's his name? Uh, You know, uh, Colonel... Mustang? Mustang. He's like, he's going to get flowers. He's like, oh, flowers for you. And then I remember, what's, you know... God damn it. You remember the Armstrong lady? There's an Armstrong who sells flowers. I got that as well. And I thought it was pretty funny how subtle his code speak is. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, people probably just think he's weird. Because he'll be like, (laughs) like, anyway, see you later. I hear downtown they have some pretty nice donuts. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's (laughs) like, like, what? Okay. The donuts are so good, you almost think they were artificial humans. (laughs) (laughs) The viewers are worthless. Huh? Donutculuses. It's so silly. (laughs) I want to just go back and point out that 23 in the Bible is the the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want psalm. So there's also that. I want to talk about Theophrastus Bombastus. (laughs) That should have been his name. That is a much better name than Alderman. Yeah, I know. He really passed up a great opportunity. My favorite philosopher, actually. (laughs) Frostus Bombastus. Theophrastus Bombastus. Yeah, I feel like we should have a real quick roundtable, what you think a better name for him would have been. Jerry Abraham. Okay, good. Jerry Abraham. (laughs) (laughs) Some sort of a regular guy. Maybe his middle name could be James. So he could be J.J. Abraham. Oh, (laughs) J.J. Abrahams. I like Jebediah as a name. I want Jebediah Zoot. (laughs) Jebediah Zoot. Jebediah Zoot. That's what it is. Jebediah Zoot. How about Minions 2, The Rise of Gru? <laughs> I want to name him uh, Yumin Dupree. <laughs> it's one name. <laughs> Yumin Dupree. <laughs> no, it's it's actually Yumi N. Dupree. <laughs> I love that. That's I love thing. that. Use the... Yeah. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> Etienne Baguette. Oh, how about... Xiaomei. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, the good thing about this episode is that there was no panda, so we can't have panda yeah. talk. What if the end of this was the slave number 23 turning into the panda? <laughs> Are we trying to pander to our uh, oh! audience? Oh my goodness. Look, it's our most popular segment, so we have to bring it up a little bit. That is pandemonium. <laughs> Some- oh. <laughs> Apparently, the homunculus did completely send von Hohenheim like a phishing scam. He just took his identity. Pretty, pretty oh, much. Oh, right. Yeah, you're like, open Just this send email. me some blood. <laughs> ben Hohenheim's looking around. He's like, my credit. My credit. Listen, guys, I'm a prince in my domain. Right. I have <laughs> 500 million <laughs> credits. It's incredible that no one thought like, Hey, man, should we trust this little guy? He's evil. Well, the thing that's funny to me, they never explain where he comes from. No, he's God. He's like, Where does he come God. from? No, he, I'm talking about homunculus. That's who I think he is. You think the homunculus is God? 
What does God need with a spaceship? I, <laughs> I, I, See, I wait, hold on, I Mike. Also, you think that Father? <laughs> I'm sorry. And Every God time says are the God. same person. He's the little guy, that little stinker, who's like, "All right, welcome to heaven." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also thought this is also drawing on, um, also Robert Louis Stevenson's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, where the oh yeah, Mister Hyde was originally a tiny little thing, and then as Jekyll keeps on repressing his wants and desires. Desires, Hyde becomes bigger. Well, that did not come off very clearly in the musical, which I am only familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think some <laughs> things get lost in the shuffle. I don't know. That's my way into the story. In the musical, it's really a lot more about how he's a genius and he wants this girl, and it's just not the same story. <laughs> in that case, it could be like Elon Musk <laughs> and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk and Ms. Grimes. There's this great sketch I love where it's Bill Hader as Dr. Jekyll, and he's talking about how he, whenever he becomes Mr. Hyde, he likes to have sex with men. I will become Mr. Hyde tonight. That is actually what the what the story's about. Oh, really? Holy shit. Yes. And also yes. not clear in the musical. Uh, <laughs> and you think it might be. You'd think it would be. I believe the subtext is obviously that he is engaged in vices, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, the subtext is that he is definitely queer and he's interested in men. Not father, Jekyll, but maybe father. Never thought about that. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. That's a really interesting read. There is something about this that I think is a little weird. Father is not a human being. If he's just this all-powerful evil being who just wants to create evil because he's evil, uh it's less exciting. I wish I understood why, what his motivations were. I wish, now now that I understand what he is more, I want to understand why he's doing this. I think the next big reveal is the motivation for this creature, Father. Let's look back to his want, right? Right. I just want to be out of this flask. Mm -hmm. What if the flask is the universe? Ooh. Mm, maybe. I want to talk about the most disgusting part of this episode, which was the revelation that Roy Mustang eats a hot dog and soup at the same time. What a monster in this cafeteria scene. He's eating a hot dog with one hand and drinking soup with the other. And I was just like, Why I guess you, you got to wash it down somehow. But, well, you know, when you think about it and wait, do you, do you guys hear that? Yeah, I heard that. Stop the episode. Hello. Oh, I am the editing robot. Mike, I have just come from Robot Hell to talk to you. I need you to listen to me. Are you listening to me, Mike? Huh, what's, what's going on here? Uh, okay. He came from Robot Hell. Okay, go ahead. Good. I need you to go get a pen and paper. Go do that now, Mike. Uh... <laughs> While we wait, how are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing good, oh, robot. Thanks so much. Pretty good. I feel like I feel like we're you're about to be gotten by a homunculus, man. Cool, Mike. I have just realized there is a secret message hidden on the podcast. Okay. The following is a compilation of the first words spoken on every episode of the podcast since episode 16. Right. Mike, write down the first letter of each word, and you will see the message. Uh, You'll have to be fast. Okay. Some of these yes. words are very short. You ready? Okay. Then let's do it. Here's the message. Salutations, egads. Let's impressive, magnificent, bravo, radical, amazing, dudes lurking, exciting, yahoo, impeccable, super, hooray, oh, me, universally, never, carefully, ultra precise, lot, uber charge, surprise. You're welcome.
Mike, what's the message? Okay, Mike, what was it, that? It says, Mike is always right. No, that's not the message. <laughs> that, that can't be right. <laughs> it says, Salim Bradley is a homunculus. It's, or actually just is homunculus. Yes. <laughs> does it really say that? Yes, it does. If you go yes, back Mike. to like episode 16, when we started doing these. <laughs> wow. You know, all this time I thought, Michelle, where is he coming up with these? <laughs> why? <laughs> like you must have been really like, especially on why you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a few <laughs> where it was clearly a little bit of a stretch to come up with a greeting. Ulysses. <laughs> what? Look, it's all in service of the bit. It's all in service of the bit. When Michelle revealed that this was the plan, I that was incredible. I, I gotta yeah, that's... say. That's some real thinking. Yeah. Listeners, I encourage you to go back and listen to every episode. And find some more of these. In full. <laughs> that are hidden. Probably in the outros. It's one of my favorite things they do in stories. I, I love it when they do it on um, series of unfortunate story. What is it called in English? Series of unfortunate events. Yeah. They do it on that one. And there's one in Star Trek 2 where they say by the book and that's supposed to be a code for Shatner, not for Shatner, a code for Captain Kirk to know that what they're saying is coded. Right. It's really good. It's code for Shatner to start acting, goddammit. <laughs> He's really good in Star Trek 2. Come on, let's give him No, that. no, I do love Star Trek 2. Although I will say that Wrath of Khan suffers from two stereotypical things. One, a red-shirted person is the first to die. And it just so happens it's the black captain right. who first dies. Thanks for it's saying like, that. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Shatner, proud white Canadian, putting down a proud Latinx uh, person, putting him back in his place. Khan Singh. Ricardo is... Montalban playing a supposedly Indian character. I just saw him last night. Uh, in in Spy Kids too. Oh right. Oh, he for plays a second, the Spy I Kids like, I just saw Ricardo Baltimore last night, and I was like, Arthur, he's dead. How did you do that? Well, like, did you run? Did is he, he still here? Screaming, Arthur, I will chase you. Is he there right now? <laughs> no, I saw him in Spy Kids too, which is pretty dope. I still don't love how they and when they revealed Salim because there's so much tied to that. And they spread it out over so long and they miss all these opportunities for tension, like the tea party, obviously. When this note happens, it's four or five episodes after we learn that Salim is homunculus. It's like, why is that coming now? Why can't we have that earlier? It never reverses anything. It never puts anyone in a position where it's like, if one of the characters was hellbent on protecting Salim from the Fuhrer. Right. And Hawkeye is obviously a hostage, but she's already a hostage by way of it the Fuhrer. It changes nothing. So she doesn't need Salim to be also holding her hostage. Right. The moment to really reveal it, to provide dramatic irony, would have been because the thing that uh, shows up in the tunnels in Fort Briggs would that have been Salim? The moment to do it is there and have like maybe the guys that went down the tunnel to sort of like run ahead and, oh, you little guy, what, what are you doing in here? And then just have them be consumed by it. And then the viewer sees it. And then it becomes a question of the tension of when inside the, information well i mean just the dramatic irony is the fact that i know it as a viewer and you're like rooting and you're like oh shit you know bustang is hanging out with salim what's gonna happen now you know that yeah. would have probably prolonged it that would have been a way better thing to do <laughs> that would have been a way better thing to do you almost wish it wasn't revealed to hawkeye but to somebody else right true you almost wish that like roy found out about it 
Because if Roy found out about it before Hawkeye, he would do something stupid. The Hawkeye is like, clearly I'm being held hostage by the Fuhrer. Yeah. But he knows that it's actually about the kid. The note stuff is really cool, but why is it played out over so many episodes? I thought it was going to be this episode, but instead we get an episode that simply introduces the note. It's like, there's only so long that I can be interested by information passing from character to character. And it should be condensed. We found out who Pride is, which has been a mystery building up for 37 episodes. We found out who he is. But somehow this episode feels like it has much more of an effect going forward than finding out who Pride is, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that seemed ancillary to this point of this episode. It was the first thing regarding Salim that was pointing towards the future. Whereas before it was, oh, he's a homunculus. So what does that mean exactly? And nothing, really. Yeah, I mean, there's no new developments on that other than, oh, now Mustang knows. Right, he knows. I wanted to go back to the moment that Carlo mentioned where Olivier was in the Fuhrer's office. I thought her lie was actually very, very smart. Oh, absolutely. It was one of the best kinds of lies where you tell a lot of the truth and there's one key element missing or changed. He fully bought it, kind of hook, light, and sinker, I feel like, because she revealed that she knows all of this information and that General Raven told it to her. But General Raven did not reveal to her that the entire country was a transmutation circle that they were going Wait, to use to kill everybody. Wait, holy shit, you're right. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I thought that was such a brilliant twist on it because now she has plausible deniability in how she knows that. Raven is dead, so he can't argue with her. Mm -hmm. And then she can leverage Raven's death and the information she knows in order to increase her position of power, in order to be closer to this whole thing, presumably to help stop it. And also framing it as a judgment on Raven's character, right? Why would you hire such a talkative person into your ranks? She has such a low opinion of him already that she's able to hide her real opinion. Right, and she's obviously a creature of ambition. There's truth in it, and he totally buys it. And I just thought it was such a beautiful lie. <laughs> it plays right into his worldview, too. So he's like, yes, of course, it that's does. how like, humans of course, are. Oh, these humans, of course, they'll be backstabbing each other because that's exactly what I would do. But it's like Armstrong Strong's like the one thing going well for their whole plan right now. You know what I mean? There is no plan, really. But yeah, thank like, God. What is the plan? There is no plan. Like, at least they have a one ploy that is working. Like, the secondary ploy is we know who one of the homunculus are, and it doesn't fucking matter. At least there's something the father doesn't know about going on. Because we've everything that's right. happening has been exactly what he wants until now. We also have Hohenheim. I guess the question here is if... Hohenheim is a philosopher's stone. I mean, we know that father cannot reproduce, even though he has a human body. Maybe he can, but he decides not to because that's gross and impure and something that humans do. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Having sex with a woman? That's gay. How do you do it? <laughs> <laughs> Fellas, is it gay to have a family? <laughs> when he was making the body, maybe he forgot to put the... You know, the thing on it. The thing? <laughs> His genitalia? The thing. His and penis? Those other, and those other two things. I don't even have a thing. I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't have a thing. Just like when we forgot a <laughs> screw, he forgot how to screw. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's a weird automail. It's weird that you're using that anime sound again. <laughs> I j you know what? I actually just played a... Burr, as yeah. in, no, you can't. <laughs> and now I played a... <laughs> So does it work the other way? Are the Elric brothers 
actually his genetic sons. It's kind of like the homunculuses are their like cousins. <laughs> and, and he's their uncle. He's uncle dad. In a way. Father created a family. Van Hohenheim created a family. In a sense. Uncle dad sounds like a name of a CBS that is, sitcom. This is the weirdest it? Brady Bunch ever. If I've learned anything from this show's magic system... It's that continuously arcs back to character. There are set rules. There are some rules, but those rules get pretty gummy. And that's good, I think, because those that's those, great. Because those rules bend in the direction that the story wants them to in a very satisfying way. And I think it's going to matter that they're related to, you know, father in some kind of tangential way there, you know? I think that's gonna matter a big deal. Rules are for cinema sense. Characters that are for stories. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow, that's well said. You should get a t-shirt that says that. Rules are for cinema sins. Gummy rules are for the seven deadly sins. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> nice. Mike! What? Before you actually get into the segment, I just want to say shout out to Ken Williams, uh, who voiced the homunculus. Really great job. Anyway, Mike! Thanks. Yeah. Now, let's talk about what you think as we go into everyone's actual favorite segment, Mikey at the Bad. This is the moment in the podcast where Mike has to guess what happens in next week's episode based only on the title and the thumbnail of said episode. Mike, would you please describe to us the thumbnail for next week's episode, The Abyss? <laughs> okay. Well, um... It's a really funny <laughs> thumbnail. It is a pretty funny one. It looks like Al is face down in the snow and he is surrounded by Bebop and Rocksteady in human form. Dr. Marco, Meshane... Who's that? Who's that? Winry. There's Scar, and that's pretty much it, right? It's Scar, and maybe that other guy with the... What, who's the guy with Dr. the... Dr. Marco. No, no, they're the other guy. Oh, <laughs> there's Yoki. There's yeah. Yoki way in the background. <laughs> yeah, Yoki is way <laughs> in the background. This is probably a funny little moment where Al just passes out, or this is a moment of reckoning where Al falls over into the snow and, you know, confronts his body again because that was set up a little bit, and the abyss is like some kind of inner abyssal journey where Al must like earn a right to exist in the world a little bit longer in some kind of way. You've heard it here, folks. It's the episode where Al fucking dies. No, he doesn't <laughs> die. He just sort of like, you know, he runs out of time in the suit and that needs to be addressed. That's what I think. This thumbnail is like a Renaissance painting. It does. It's beautiful. Yeah. The more, at first I thought it was funny, but now I kind of see it differently. <laughs> it's well composed. <laughs> it's a thumbnail for 2020. It is kind of funny. Why is that guy so so far back there, man? Because he's not very important. Less important than Bebop and Rocksteady are in this. He, scene. he had a lunch with heavy garlic. Everyone's like, you, oh, stay you guys going ahead. I gotta I gotta stay back. But remember, I helped us with the tunnels. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm sure if we come across any other tunnels, we'll call you. I don't have you, a phone. You go ahead. Well, <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's okay. Now that Mike has given his prediction, it's time for us to grade the episode on a scale from one to five stars. I'm going to get things started by saying I'll give it... Okay, here's the thing. I came into this thinking five stars, but our first whole thing about Salim... That's not this episode's oh, fault, no. yeah. Michelle. Yeah. I'd all right, that's five stars. Yeah. I'm going to say five stars. Five stars. Five stars all around. Five stars. If this isn't five stars, I don't know what it is. The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Five stars as well, enthusiastically so. That was great, super fun, super interesting. Couldn't look away. It's good to be right. <laughs> I'm going to go with five stars as well. I feel like our quibbles with Salim's revealed is that's outside of the scope of this episode, but within it, 
this felt tightly packed. There's always something happening. The reveal of the backstory is appropriately epic and ominous. So I think it works very well as like, what's going to happen next? I think you could show this episode to somebody who doesn't watch the show. I think you could. And they would be like, this is cool. <laughs> Who's the guy with the beard? What a weird I mean, they beard. wouldn't know what the hell is going on, but it kind of stands alone. <laughs> they would still be kind of like, whoa, that's awesome. What a cool thing. I mean, you would kind of ruin it for them. It'd be huge spoilers, but it'd be fun. How did you get in my room? Right. Why are you why are you playing this? No, please stop. Back off. <laughs> yeah. Put that gun down. <laughs> Tuxedo yeah, mask, yeah. but just for full metal alchemist is like, my work here is done. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> why are you here? Oh, that was good. I really Arthur, <laughs> do you have a lesson? <laughs> nope. No, you don't have a lesson? I forgot. How about like if someone tells you like they'd like to be let out of a flask, let them out. No, because that was bad. <laughs> That's the opposite of what, what? you should have learned. What are you talking about? There. If you let that guy out of the flask, he wouldn't have done all that stuff. They captured him, put him in a flask, blamed him when they listened to him when he told them, "I'm an evil little thing." I, you know, I just think when he was like, "Hey guys, I'm an evil little thing, and I got a plan." <laughs> You're going to love it. it. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, oh, All right, oh, guys. I see, I see how it is. A little black guy in a flask. I see. Ooh, He's evil. Oh, huh? no. yeah, I was so... Ooh. Doing some profiling. One more reason to let him out. I'm the against The new it. alchemical crow. <laughs> I, love, I, I got that one. I got that one. <laughs> what did we learn? I learned some cool new names. <laughs> That's mainly what I learned. I learned that Hohenheim is a friend named Mayo. <laughs> right, he calls out all these exotic names, and then he goes, Tony! "Tony." I thought about that too. I was like, "Should I bring it up?" You guys forgot about mayo. The last one is literally yeah, mayo. mayo, mayo, mustard, mustard. Ketchup. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and now we've reached the end of this week's episode of Full Metal Analyst. So I'd like to thank our guests for coming. Thank you so much, Carlo. It's been a pleasure having you here. Yay! Thank you. Do you have anything you want to plug? My phone into the wall. But other than that, give uh, him a room I'll be shot. I co-host over at Podside Picnic. If you didn't know that already, go check us out over there. We have plenty of interesting guests uh, that we interview. Uh, We did interview Scott R. Jones, who is a Relayan sorcerer. wrote a whole book about Relayan spirituality, which I'm going to read Mm. because that sounds amazing. It was so nice to have you. You bring such a good intellectualism and humor to it. So it's always such a treat. Thanks, man. And if I'm not mistaken... Around the time this episode comes out, you guys have just started the first ever Potsai Picnic book club, right? Yes, that is correct. So check that out. Before you go, we'd like you to do one last thing for us, which is to do your best Full Metal Alchemist just like the interstitials. Full Metal Alchemist. Nice. And if you don't want to be tricked into having an immortal body by destroying your entire country, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FM Analysts. That's twitter.com slash FM, the word analysts. Subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. If possible, leave us a review or recommend the show to a friend. We'd like to thank Sarah Lerner for managing our Tumblr. You can check that out at fullmetal-analyst.tumblr.com. But watch out, there are spoilers there. We'd also like to thank Camilla Franklin for doing our podcast art. You can check out more of her work by following her on Instagram, at Camillastrator. If you like this episode and would like to hear more, why not subscribe to our Patreon? For just $2, you receive extended versions of each episode a week early. That's right, you can listen to next week's episode right now by going to patreon.com slash fmanalysts. That'll be all for now. We'll see you next time on Full Metal Analysts. Until then, stay frosty, everyone. Bye. <laughs>